right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am here in this Friday, kind of late morning-ish, weird podcast schedule this week, I know, so I don't don't want to kind of scare off anybody, but this this is a little bit abnormal, had a couple of weird days. Uh, but it's all good. What's up, Dr. Van Nostrand? What's up, Cedric? Oh, click the wrong one. Am I muted? How am I possibly muted? Oh, that's why. I uh, hope everybody's having a good day. I wanted to be able to share some hangover takes for the Nuggets Sixers game and then transition over to tonight's game against the Nuggets or the, the Nuggets Celtics game. Because I think that one could realistically be a finals preview. I think it's more likely that that one is a finals preview than the Sixers one, of course. Um, But look, it is what it is. This last Nuggets-Sixers game I know was hard for a lot of people. I know it wasn't the the greatest moment. And then to have to sit on that for a couple days, not great either. So Denver had to sit on it as well. And I know that they weren't very happy with the way that things went. I know that Lots of guys were were not necessarily happy with their performances. And it doesn't necessarily surprise me that uh, now we're getting into this one. And a lot of people are a lot of people are irritated. A lot of people are kind of feeling the effects of the road trip already. But look, let's go over Nugget Sixers real quick. Just just chat about some hangover takes from that one. Things that we've thought about since then. Uh, and then next segment, I'll go over Nugget Celtics. I was not surprised that Denver lost against the Sixers. I don't think anybody really should have been. I think my my biggest takeaway after getting some distance from that one is that the Sixers are legit. They are for real. And Embiid is shooting at a crazy, crazy percentage right now that is just unfortunate from the mid-range. Like I saw a number that... Uh, NBA University posted is that he's shooting like 59% or close to 60% from 15 to 19 feet, which is like, how, how are you supposed to guard that from a seven foot two guy? That's just, it's, uh, it's impossible. It's, it's not a, not a reasonable thing to try to guard. So I'm not surprised that Denver struggled there. I'm not surprised that in that circumstance, they, they, Really struggled when you put on Aaron Gordon, who's very stout, but he's also six foot eight. I thought he did a better job of contesting those shots than Jokic did, uh, and and that would have to be a matchup for Denver. Like I think they'd have to put Aaron Gordon on Embiid a lot of the time, unless they decide, hey, we're going to put Jokic on and we're going to hard double pretty much every time. Um, Denver in a playoff series against the Sixers would come up with more creative better solutions than they had defensively against the Sixers. I thought that for whatever reason, they decided to get a little bit too weird. And when they got that weird, it just it ruined the entire complexion of their defense and nobody knew how to handle it. Um, and then the other takeaway, just thinking about it more, like Jamal's just got to be better. He, he's got to show up in moments like that. I thought he played really, really well in the first two and a half quarters or so of the game, but he tired out as the game went on, and as the Sixers kept 
generating energy. It just looked like Murray ran out of it. And like, I know that that won't happen in a playoff series. I know that that's not going to happen in April, May, or June if Denver's lucky enough to get that far. But I do know that over the course of this time, it, it, it just does not look like Murray has been as good in those moments as one might hope as what he's proven over the course of his, the previous time of his career, like he's got to be the one, the one to take over. Like if Denver puts their second best player with the bench, he's got to be able to shoulder that burden. And he can't be bothered by guys like Patrick Beverly, who is crowing by the way, on social media over the course of these last few days, like Patrick Beverly has been talking about how he's been locking up Jamal Murray for years, ever since the bubble. And okay, that's fine. Like it's not not exactly true, but I do think that if Jamal is going to be that dude for Denver, he's got to take that personally. And it is funny that Patrick Beverly decided, yeah, hey, we're gonna do that. Like we're we're gonna crow about Jamal. We're gonna crow about you locking up Jamal for years, and then you're gonna have to come back and play in Denver in like just over a week from now. All right, <laughs> let's see how that goes. Let's see. Let's see what that actually looks like. I'm I'm curious to see what that ends up being. Um, but yeah, I I think my take still remains from Wednesday's podcast that Denver has to stagger another starter with Jamal or at least somebody else who's a talented enough scorer that they feel good about the offense that they can generate. Like in a playoff situation like that, I don't think Aaron Gordon's that scorer, by the way. I think it's Mike. I think they have to stagger Jamal and Mike. And had Denver done that, let's say they take out Reggie. Or, yeah, yeah, let's say they take out Reggie. Let's say they put back in Michael Porter. They would basically, like, Denver would have Mike guarding Tobias Harris in that situation. And if that were the case, if Denver was able to do that, then maybe Tobias Harris doesn't go off the way that he did against a smaller guy like Christian Brown. Uh, you've got Peyton Watson guarding Tyrese Maxey, Michael Porter guarding Tobias Harris. I think that actually helps. So, look, I, I think Denver learned some things in this game. I think they learned some things in this matchup. And I'm looking forward to Philly coming back to Denver. Now, Denver's coming off of that five-game road trip, and they'll be exhausted when they come back. And as like th- there's a general axiom in the NBA that when you come off of the a long road trip, the first home game can be very weird, can be very uncomfortable. And I wonder if Denver will be ready for that moment. But I think that they will like that I mean they're gonna they're gonna try. Like if this game was against the New Orleans Pelicans, their first game at home, I I'd predict Denver to not cover the spread in that one. I think that Denver covers the spread against the Sixers when they come home. I think that they really deliver. And I think that they care. I think that there's uh, been a lot of talking, both uh, internally and externally. And that should be something that the Nuggets care about. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat about Nuggets Celtics. We're going to chat about this particular matchup tonight and what it means for Denver. And then in the third segment, we'll do kind of NBA Finals talk. Should be a lot of fun. But first... Everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports who are changing the game as they are the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. 
And now you can use promo code MILEHIGH and you'll score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. All you got to do is download the Superbook Sports app and enter that promo code and you'll get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Axel Noel, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Let's get into Nuggets Celtics. Let's get into this matchup, I think, between the two best teams in the league. I do think that the Nuggets are a better team than the Sixers overall. I think that that's like I know that people after after watching this last one are going to be like, Wah! but and I mean, I think they're evenly matched. I think Denver just played at home or they, they played on the road and then like Denver's just not as good on the road. And that's going to bear out against the Celtics, too. Like, it's just going to be a problem. And Denver, they're going to have to generate some energy. They're going to have to generate some some of their own motivation and consistency that they generally struggle with. And that's going to be that's going to be pretty difficult for them, especially against a team that is, I am not kidding, 20 and 0 at home. Uh, The Celtics are really good. The Celtics are a really, really good basketball team. And it is going to be very difficult to face them in their own building. Now, the Celtics are 12-9 and nine on the road, so they're not infallible. They just happen to have won every single game at home so far. And look, they might continue to do that, and Denver may not be the team that actually takes them down. But I would absolutely be concerned if I were Denver about approaching this game and the balancing of the rotations and what it's going to look like when the six or when the Celtics provide their their best punch in a quarter whether it's the third quarter or fourth quarter and Denver doesn't have their best personnel on the floor that's where I'm looking at all of this and I think that there's going to be some curious matchups given that the Celtics are fully healthy the Celtics are Basically, like their top six is unbelievable. You go Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kristaps Porzingis, and Al Horford on their bench. And both of those guys in the backcourt, Holiday and White, are incredible defenders, as you know. Uh, they are some of the best point defenders that you can, like point of attack defenders that you can get. And they are some of the best switch defenders that you can get, where they scramble, they do everything that they can. Uh, Derek White is one of the best shot blocking guards in the NBA. Drew Holiday is no slouch of his own, and Jamal Murray is going to have a tough time. Like he he will be guarded by Derek White for the vast majority of this game, and I think I'm okay with that matchup if I'm Denver because one of the things that gives Murray problems is size. The other is like physicality, and Derek White's more of a technical defender. He's more handsy, like with uh, with passing lanes and shot blocking and whatnot. Murray, as long as he's focused, I think will be better in this kind of matchup than he is in 
matchups against guys like Jada McDaniels or OG Ananobi or or players of that ilk. That's me anecdotally saying that. I'm not sure if that's actually true, but just from my perspective here. Um, Cedric asks, why won't they have Holiday on Murray? Because Derek White is a better defender. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> like Derek White is so good. There are reasons why he is currently like getting all-star consideration. He's not actually going to be an all-star, but Derek White has been, I think statistically, Derek White has been their second best player behind Jason Tatum. Kristaps Porzingis, you have an argument there. Jalen Brown, you have an argument there. Drew Holiday's probably been their fifth best player, which is why the Celtics are so dangerous, because you know what Drew Holiday can do. You know what he's capable of. And the fact that their team has, oh, and by the way, uh, yeah, Colorado native Derek White. I interviewed Derek White over the summer. I, I was at the Parker Fieldhouse when I, like, in Derek White's native Parker. And I, I went down there and interviewed him for Mile High Sports. It's up on the website if you're interested. Uh, we, we chatted. We sat together. We talked. It was, it was interesting. It was, that was right when he shaved his head. And he was wearing a hat, kind of like I am. And I was like, yeah, he got a little bit of a different hairstyle than I remember. And that's because he was bald. Uh, it was very, very fascinating. But um, no, Derek White is so good. And he he's a very gracious person, too. So, um, yeah, really, really interesting dude. And he's, he's somebody that you root for from afar. Like, if there's anybody on the Celtics that you're like, yeah, you know, I, I, I feel good about them being having success. I feel good about them being good. Derek White's probably one of them. Um, where was I? The rotations. White and Holiday are not superfluous. Like they, they don't they overlap, their skill sets overlap a little bit, but like they're elite defenders and can create with the ball. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, elite scorers, can create with the ball. I think Brown's got some weaknesses. Tatum's got some weaknesses that are different. So they can they can come up with some different things. Kristaps Porzingis has had a great season. Like he is so good and so valuable for what they do uh, in Boston, and he is somebody that if I'm if I'm Denver, I'm a little bit worried about that matchup. And what's funny is Porzingis is only shooting thirty two point seven percent from three. Like it is not a high percentage, but he's shooting sixty six percent from two, and is he has a career high EFG percentage and probably a career high true shooting if I scroll down here. Yeah, 65.3% true shooting is crazy. And he's blocking shots. He's grabbing some rebounds. He fits into what they're doing really, really well. And they're going to jack up threes. Um, Casey Mack says they shoot way too many threes still. And if those threes do not fall, it shoots them out of the game. That's fair. But the fact is, is that they also, because they shoot so many threes, they have the flexibility to be a little bit worse on the percentage, and they're still going to be okay. Right now, they shoot 38% from three on the season, and they take the most threes per game, and that really helps their offense. It also helps open up their two-point percentage. Like, the two-pointers that they do take, which is admittedly the fewest in the NBA, but they have a 56.4% two-point percentage, which is fourth. 
And because of that, like they're making all the shots all over the floor and they're just simply taking them in the most valuable places that they possibly can. They're a money ball team. They're one of those teams that is like, that would make Daryl Morey proud. He'd be like, yeah, this is exactly what I created this for. This is exactly why I designed this for. Um, it's interesting. I think that Denver is going to approach this one very seriously. I think that Jokic will approach this one very seriously. Denver hasn't won in Boston, though. And it wouldn't surprise me if they lose again. Like, here's, here's the thing. Because the Celtics are 20-0. and 0. I'm not going into this game expecting them to win. I think the Nuggets are, will go into it trying to get a W, but they may find out that it's not their night really quickly. And they may decide, you know what? Screw it. We're just going to save it up for the rest of the road trip. And besides, if Denver wins their next three games on the road trip, they'll still be three and two. doesn't really matter which one. Um, I am curious as to how they handle it. Uh, Dr. Van Ostrand says that AG is a game-time decision. I saw that he was probable. I did not know that he was a game-time decision. Is that something that's been downgraded of late? Did I miss that come across the timeline while potting? Um, either way, it's going to be fascinating to see how Denver approaches this. Porzingis will start. He will guard Jokic. Uh, Tatum will guard... Oh, it's on their Twitter. Okay. Um, yeah, AG, game time decision. We'll see what happens. Um, as I said, Derek White will guard Murray. How Denver guards Boston will be interesting because they are going to jack up a lot of threes. It's probably okay to have Jokic on Porzingis initially and just dare him to make some threes. But if he doesn't make them, or if he does make them, then Denver's probably cooked. Like, the way that the Celtics open up the rest of the floor, like Jalen Brown will score over KCP. Aaron Gordon, if he plays, uh, Jason Tatum is going to, like at home, he's going to create some crazy shots. He's going to hit some crazy shots. And that's going to be really tough for Denver to deal with. So Denver's got to turn them over. Um, the Celtics, I believe this year, have done a pretty good job of avoiding turnovers. Yes, they have. Uh, they are seventh in turnover rate on the offensive end, which which means that they're not turning it over that much. And that was one of their concerns in previous seasons. So are they still kind of vulnerable to that? If Denver can turn them over, then maybe that changes the complexion of this game. Uh, Peyton Watson should be big in this one. He's going to have to be big in this one. Christian Brown going to have to be big in this one. He's going to have to guard a guy like Jalen Brown going to have to guard a guy like Drew Holiday and Denver's going to have their hands full. That's for sure. Once you get past Boston's top six, they can be a little bit less dangerous, obviously. And I wouldn't be as worried about the, the guys outside of their top six, but because they have Horford and Porzingis, they can play both of those guys together. They can use Horford on Jokic and then have Porzingis as the roamer. Uh, that's a defense that Denver has struggled with before. And when you have the kind of perimeter defenders that Boston also has, there's a reason why the Celtics are first in offense and fourth in defense at home. Like that is a that is a pretty impressive tally for both of those. So I'd be worried if I'm Denver. Like this is not one that I'm going into expecting the Nuggets to win. Like, the Celtics are undefeated at home for a reason. And while you never want to approach it that way, 
I'm trying to set the stage that if Denver does end up winning, it's going to be that much more impressive. Taking down an undefeated team, taking down a matchup that should be really, really tough, especially in a regular season context. And Denver's going to have to shoot really well. They're going to have to play really well. They're going to have to create some turnovers. They're going to have to do some things that they did not do against the Sixers. And it means guys like Murray are going to have to step up. Guys like Porter are going to have to step up. Murray and Porter specifically have not played well in Boston that often, if at all. Porter specifically has been really bad in Boston before. And it would be nice for him to get a big game here where he shoots and makes four or five threes. He defends whether it's Tatum or Brown or uh, whoever he's matched up with. He defends one of those guys really, really well. And if he can come up with some stops and then create some shots for himself and for others on the other end, that would be the best version of Michael Porter that you can get. I think Jokic will play great because he always does. Not sure about Murray. We'll see what we'll see what he deals with, whether it's Drew Holiday or Derek White, whether whether he can get around those guys or not. And then we're just gonna have to see whether Denver's bench shows up. This is probably a Zeke Naji game. If it's not a Zeke Naji game, then I'd be shocked. Like DeAndre Jordan does not match up well against the Boston Celtics. Denver needs Zeke Naji's switchability, in my opinion. And if they don't play him, then to me that is a pretty big signal that they're just punting on the bench minutes. They gotta come up with something. Gotta come up with a like Zeke should be the matchup. And if he's not, then I'd be surprised. So we will see. We will see with Zeke Naji, of course. We'll see with the Nuggets, of course. But for now, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about the NBA Finals and some of these different matchups that are manifesting. But first, good morning, Broncos. Broncos trucker hats uh, that I got from the MHS uh, party. Uh, we will we'll see what the Broncos end up doing. Alright, final segment here. Let's chat about the finals. Let's chat about some teams in both conferences and just kind of where the picture stands. Uh, I saw some finals like predictions or, or championship odds or whatever. And I believe the Celtics were one and the Nuggets were two in terms of the odds for getting back to the NBA Finals. And I think that that's fair, and I think that that's a good order for both of them, too. Uh, the Celtics are great. Like I, I know that people love to criticize and clown, and especially when you lose to the Miami Heat, when you lose to an eighth seed, and then like it just, it's just embarrassing the way that they did it. If they lose to that team again, I'll be surprised. Like Porzingis should really help them in that matchup. Drew Holiday should really help them in that matchup. And they should just be better than every team in the conference. Now, if they match up with the Sixers or they match up with the Bucks, how are they going to defend guys like Giannis and Embiid? I don't really know. But I do think that they're in a pretty good situation, the Celtics are, because they've got answers to a lot of different questions. Like they can go double bigs. They can go... Uh, pretty small. They can play 
five out. They can play post-up offense. They can run pick and roll. They can do a lot of different things. Um, I like the Celtics, and I like their chances as a team that comes out of the East. I think that they will be really, really good. Um, I think that they are a step above both the Sixers and the Bucks from a like both a talent and kind of a collaboration standpoint. Like, just feels like the Celtics have better chemistry this year, and that helps when you're winning. But like the Bucks and the Sixers, still trying to figure it out. Dame, I'm still trying to figure out. He is not quite as good as he was in Portland. Um, that's probably not going to change either. I don't. I don't see him going the other direction as he continues to age and get older. Uh, he's got a lot of miles on him. Damian Lillard does, and there's only so much that he can do next to Giannis. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens. What does it say, Ryan? Why won't they give us any respect considering it's all just about the Lakers and the NBA media? Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Denver. Denver has the best finals odds. Like they. I think that here's the thing. I think that Denver does get a lot of respect. Um, yeah, Cedric never listened to the media. They always talk about the Lakers, Warriors, and Clippers, no matter how bad they are doing. That's true because it does drive clicks. Um, and the clicks for the Nuggets will be, they'll still be there in the playoffs. Like that's, that's something that they can absolutely do. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's going to be, I don't know, like, I'm still trying to figure it out from a media perspective. Like as somebody who is currently running a separate podcast that covers the entire NBA, the Lakers is not the most popular. The Clippers are way more popular. (laughs) Clippers are way more popular on my podcast than the Lakers are. I'm not sure why. Um, But look, maybe it's just timing. Maybe it's just how interesting, like the Clippers are really good. They, They have a very, very reasonable chance to make it to the finals themselves. Do I think they can beat Denver? Probably not. Do I think that they're going to be a bitch to play? Absolutely. <laughs> like, If you're Denver and you have to match up with the Clippers, I've talked about this before, how do you match up with them? Who, who are you guarding with who? If, if the Clippers bring out their starting group and say, okay, we've got Harden, Terrence Mann, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and Ivica Zubac. I, I mean, obviously, Jokic guards Zubac. And like KCP probably guards Harden, but then who does Murray guard? Does Murray guard Paul George? Does KCP guard Paul George and then Murray guards Harden? Like they have three elite, elite scorers. And that is a really, really tough matchup to have. So I think if you're Denver, like the Clippers are probably the team that scares you the most now. The Wolves, I I shared some concerns about them early on and still have those concerns. Like I think that Denver's going to have to navigate that, but I think those are problems that are a little bit easier solved than the ones that the Clippers possess because of the Clippers. If they play at their ceiling, they're going to score on Denver. It's just about, can Denver score more points than them with Denver? Denver can solve any defense, including the best defense in the NBA with the T-Wolves. And the problem with the T-Wolves is that if Denver does solve that, then the T-Wolves just don't have the extra gear offensively that will really bother Denver. Now, Anthony Edwards is still dominant, and Carl Anthony Towns can, he can score. Like, he can do a lot of different things. But I think I 
think the Clippers are a little bit more dangerous to a team like Denver. Um, but then again, if Jokic just scores 35 a game, then that might solve everything anyway. So it's tough. Like, I think if you're, if you're the Nuggets, there are three teams in the West they are really looking at. It's Minnesota, OKC, and the Clippers. OKC, we've, we've already seen, they can win. They can do everything that they want to pretty much against the Nuggets. Now, will Denver have better game plan discipline? Will they have better rest? Absolutely. Is Denver the more veteran team that knows how to handle these spots better than OKC? Absolutely. But OKC really reminds me of the Nuggets back in the day where they're just way ahead of schedule and are talented enough to upset a team. So hypothetically, if if the standings hold right now and Minnesota faces the Clippers in the second round and OKC faces Denver, could could OKC take Denver to seven games? Yeah. Yeah, they could. And especially because OKC has home court advantage, that is a stressor. That is a stressful one if you are the Nuggets. So I think that OKC probably needs another big in order to match up with Joker, but that is a pretty tough stretch for Denver. And like, I try to give respect to these teams and not like just say, oh yeah, the Nuggets will take down whoever they face because Denver might take them down. They might be just fine in a matchup like that. But I also can see you don't have Bruce Brown. You don't have Jeff Green. Things are a little bit different. And like, if you're going to need... Murray to be the absolute best of the best that he was just like last year. What if he just doesn't do that? What if he just averages like 22 and six on like 58% true shooting? And then you need just kind of a little bit of an extra margin somewhere else. So I am still trying to figure it out. And I think that Nuggets fans should have a healthy respect for the rest of the conference. Like you can't just talk down out all these teams just because you won the title. Like, all these teams got better. Clippers got better. T-Wolves got better. OKC got way better. Like, all of them are really, really good. Do I think that Denver makes it out? Yes. Do I think that Boston makes it out? Yes. That's why I think that today will be a finals preview. That's why I think that today will be a really, really, really interesting game. Casey Mack asks, do you think the Nuggets need to have... Uh, or do you think they need to have home court advantage to be successful this year in the playoffs? I think it was less necessary this year than it was last year. Last year, Denver needed good circumstances in order to get through things as, as quickly and easy as possible. One of the things that they that we were talking about before was that Denver, they needed a little bit of a a head start, if you will. They needed to win their home games, and then they did, and then no team could really put them behind the eight ball, and Denver was always rested, and it's so important to be rested in that situation. Like, I think Denver, if they're the three seed, hypothetically, this year, then they play the six seed Dallas Mavericks. Like, as long as they beat the Mavericks in five games, like, they're probably fine being the three seed. I don't fear going on the road to OKC. I don't fear going on the road to Minnesota if I'm Denver. And then you'd have home court advantage against the Clippers in this particular situation. So now, does home court advantage hurt? Absolutely not. (laughs) Absolutely not. It would be just fine. 
And OKC is 28 and 13 right now. Denver's 28 and 14 with one more game to play against OKC. So it would be nice if Denver had home court advantage. It would be nice if they could have as many advantages against opponents as possible. But if they do go to the finals, they probably won't have home court advantage against Boston. That's for sure. So Denver's going to have to go on the road pretty much regardless. And winning as many home games as possible, winning as many games as possible to get yourself as much of an advantage is never going to be a problem. Um, But I do think that it would be fascinating to see. Truth Teller asks, Ryan, who can the Nuggets get on a buyout market? What do you think about Danny Green, experienced three-point shooting guards, bigger players? Well, CP, uh, a hesitant three-point shooter. Um, I mean, Danny Green a couple of years ago would be great. Danny Green at this stage of his career now, I do not think has the juice in order to really help Denver. I think that Justin Holiday is just as good as what you're getting from Danny Green. Like, just as good. And so Denver hasn't played the Justin Holiday card in a long time. It's probably been like eight, ten games or so since he's been in the rotation. So I think that there's a reason for that. I think Denver's working to try to get their young guys better right now. Uh, but Justin Holiday really is their buyout addition. Like he he's their guy who they will play a little bit more consistently in the second half of the season. I think that as like like they'll try to play Julian Strother a little bit when he gets back healthy. But mostly, I think they're good, they're going to go to Justin Holiday. I think that that's probably going to be a more likely matchup for them. Like the numbers bear it out, it makes more sense to play him, and it wouldn't surprise me if they decide to go with him as a ninth man and then kind of turning him into an eighth man if let's say Christian Brown doesn't do well or Peyton Watson doesn't do well that wouldn't surprise me in any way Uh, but should be fun should be interesting um yeah that's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating to see folks I'm looking forward to this game I'm looking forward to seeing what Denver does I don't think that they're going to win but I want to see them compete I want to see them really put their best foot forward here and how cool would it be if they were the first team to defeat the Celtics at home, how, how, like it would be pretty symbolic, I think. And it would be a nice way to get the taste of the, the Philly game out of their mouth. So, and out of, out of fans' mouths, too, because it was, uh, it was not a fun one. So we're going to see what happens, but I think that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Really appreciate everybody stopping in. Really appreciate everybody stopping by to chat. Uh, Cedric, Casey Mack, Dr. Van Nostrand. Truth teller, lots of different folks, lots of different, uh, and then uh, Ben Mack. Uh, really appreciate everybody for stopping by. I should be podcasting again tomorrow, probably tomorrow morning at around the same time. And I am very excited for that. Should be podcasting with Swipa at some point too. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Hit that like button on the way out. We'll talk to you guys very soon.